We individualize training in the pool. So why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available. So go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. All right, man, we are live. Grant House, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Brett. Thanks for having me on today. Excited to chat. Brand spanking new Pac-12 champion, man. Team champion as well. Look at this. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, more excited about the the second one, especially. So that's been a, a long, long, long time coming. For it's sure, the, it's the first time in program's history, hey? Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty wild. I got like kind of the stats. I guess I'll I'll start with that. Is I I knew it was the first swimming in in program history. You know, that was like my immediate my immediate goal. And then I kind of, we had a, one of our head of compliance, JD uh, Lodinger there, and he told us all, like, this is the first in swimming history. This is the first in Arizona um, history. So no Arizona wow. school has ever won a Pac-12 title. Um, this is, and then this is the only the seventh uh, Pac-12 title ever at ASU, too. Dang. So wow. super, like, super powerful, super cool to hear that. Um, and just to know that, you know, I was one of the guys and, and all the, our collective group was responsible for bringing that to the to ASU. Well, not only are you one of the guys, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit of personal inside info here, man. I got a text from Keenan and he, he knew that you were coming on the program and he gave you a lot of props as and we're talking about Keenan Robinson here, the strength coach. He gave you a lot of props as the guy, the first guy to. To commit to Bob, you know, many years ago, like with the first guy with with true Olympic potential talent, right? Like one of the top guys in the country, you committed to Bob, and then you are now the heart and soul of this program, man. You're the you're the leader. You're the people that the guys look to. You're the one that does all the recruiting, from what I hear. Like you're you're the guy that's building this program um, from the inside with with the coaching stuff, obviously. But they need a leader in the middle, and you're the guy in the middle, man. I oh, I appreciate the high praise. Yeah, I've uh, I mean it was always my goal coming in here. I I vividly remember the first chat with Coach Bowman and then Bob in his office, and just this vision that we both had of what I felt like was possible here that just people were ignorant about in Tempe, and that I wanted to make a national championship team and a Pac-12 conference championship team and become an Olympic gold medalist. And I was like, those are my those are my three stipulations. If, if we can uh, combine forces on that, then I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'll give you everything. I love the recruiting. Uh, I think I'm pretty good at it. Mm. And I just love connecting and getting people involved and, and, you know, raising that sense of belonging and that belief in this program. Because, I mean, Bob said it after Saturday night. Like, when I came along, there was pretty much no one had any business to have any belief in what they no. could accomplish. No. But I, uh, I was crazy enough to, to believe it, I guess, and, and also see it. So That's awesome, man. I love that. A couple of shout-outs here. Some boys, some boys coming in to say hi. Success with Smitty. 
Let's have a look at this. Peter's Peter's like, what's up? And uh, we've got Mason here. Oh, Mason's, what up, Mace? Mason's in there. So, yeah, a lot of love out there for you, man, where people are listening. Um, well, listen, what was it then? What, what was it? You, you had the chance to go anywhere you probably wanted to go. So why did you decide to commit to Bob at that point in time? Yeah, I uh, I get that a lot, um, you know, over my years, and I, I I believe it was just this this commitment, this understanding that I I felt with with Bob, with the program, what, the things that were set up in place uh, at Tempe at Arizona State, and it was just everything was there for success, just no one was tapping into it. Mm -hmm. There was so much availability, no program was really like excelling that far, and to be someone that can come in and make immediate impact was pretty cool to me. Um, I felt like a very sense of a strong sense of belonging and influence in that. And just this challenge to, to go up against like, these perennial powerhouses of Cal and Texas and Florida. And, you know, like, I mean, it's frustrating. It's been frustrating over the last five years at points for sure. But just to have that opportunity to go up and not just be a cog in the wheel and, not to belittle like the historic history that all those programs have, like all the, the respect um, and earned respect given to those programs as well. But when I was looking at where I wanted to go at college, I just kind of kept feeling the same sense of like, okay, I can just kind of continue this tradition continue this, like keep feeding into this, or I can kind of take a step aside, take a different route, a different path. And I feel like what most people do or expected to, and, you know, build something to, to, you know, beat these powerhouses, to create a power perennial powerhouse of our of ourselves and, and Tempe. And I, when I got on campus, I loved it. It was way different than I expected. I thought it was just going to be desert and dry rocks out here. And it's beautiful. I mean, we literally have a spot on campus called Palm Walk with just palm trees for like a mile. So <laughs> I, hmm. I, I call it Paradise 365 out here. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just beautiful. Like even one of our freshmen today, He's like, yeah, he's like, he just stopped while we were swimming. And he's like, dude, it's such a beautiful day. I'm so glad to be swimming out here. And he's like, last week I had seasonal <laughs> depressive disorder or whatever from like the federal way sky. And I just <laughs> thought that's hilarious. It was so simple. But I was like, yeah, like even on the worst days, swimming outside in 60 to 60 plus degrees, 70 plus, not a cloud in sight, makes, uh, makes your life, your day to day a lot better. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, man, there's so much to talk about. I'm glad you've dedicated some time here because we're going to be here for a while. So if you guys have got questions in oh, the yeah. in the chat too, feel free to jump in. You know, we want to kind of bring the audience into this. That's why it's live. But I'll, I'll say this, um, you know, it's always interesting uh, what programs do kind of the, the day after, you know, like a, like a Monday, you're, you're back from a big championship meet. You got to prepare for NCAAs. What, what was today like? What did you do? Yeah, so today, um, you know, yesterday we traveled, um, kind of got every ourselves situated here. And um, at this point in the season, like we're not going to be cranking too much differential and like training and intensity and volume. Um, it's just kind of tightening the screws, fine tuning, sharpening the blades. And so the, really what, what we've always understood is the best thing that we can do is rest the body and, and make mm -hmm. ourselves as healthy as possible. So. Herbie and Bob gave us the morning off to sleep in. I don't, I think Herbie asked all of us, the first thing he asked was how much sleep we got the night before. And that was like really our first like practice session. 
And um, I don't think I heard a single guy in sprint group say they got less than 10 and a half hours of sleep. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, capitalizing on that is something that I was, I just had to laugh that no, like on the ASU people weren't doing before. Like just those small things like that. And Mm -hmm. coming back into practice today, Herbie didn't have a single interval on our practice. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what Bob's group did exactly, Mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't too high intensity. Uh, we both finished exactly at an hour. It was kind of like scary how how close we all finished at the exact same time. Mm. Um, but yeah, there wasn't a single interval in my practice. Just uh, just kind of flowing through it. Some IM transitions, some longer pulling sets, and all the rest we had. Herbie just wrote, make it eight to ten uh, deep breaths in between each each rep, and mm-hmm. relax your body as much as possible. So. Just very, very minimal stress today, just mm-hmm. kind of flushing out the travel and the high stimulus of racing last week. So yeah. I uh, always enjoy the, the day after we come back from big travel meets just because it gives you time to breathe a little bit and, and refresh your body for what's to come. Yeah, cool. A couple of questions coming in, which is good. I'll get to them in a second. But I just want to ask you this. Was the end goal at the start of the year to hoist the Pac-12 trophy? Was that the end goal? Uh, no, not at all. It's, it's interesting. That's, that's one of the first questions. Cause I was just talking to our, we had a men's team meeting today, um, right after we had, we swam and I, uh, I've been laughing about this actually, cause I don't think anyone, I, I never heard it, but I, I never uttered it, um, once the entire year. Um, we've just been to our process and the final meet of the year. Once we finished last year, sixth in the nation, we kind of understood what we we're capable of. And I think seeing Pac-12's last year's wall showed us like a pretty big sign. And I think the first time I heard anyone mention a Pac-12 championship was on the flight to Federal Way. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of was like, oh, well, yeah, if we're, I mean, if we're targeting the national championship, like, yeah, we can definitely do this too. Mm-hmm. And I, it was just, it was just another step in our process. It was just another preparatory stage, the last preparatory stage to getting into NCAAs and even, there was one night where Herbie and I and Reese Whitley were talking together and Herbie was just saying like, what better way to prepare for swimming our, at the highest level than with some of the best competition between Cal and I and, and, and Stanford and, and ASU, you know, like one of the three of the best teams. I, last year, Cal won, we got sixth and Stanford got seventh. So three teams in the Pac-12 out of six, the Pac half, um, got filled up three spots in the top seven in the country. So mm. it's a it's a small but mighty conference, and mm. there's no better way way to go about doing that. Yeah, that's good. Really interesting. I think there's a lot there for people that uh, are trying to study how to win a championship. I've heard that so many times. I've been part of championship teams myself, where it it wasn't the goal to win the conference title. It was kind of almost like the given um, in a way of like, look, we're either going to go out there and compete for it or we're going to win it. You know, it was, that, that's just, but it wasn't like that's the be all and end all of our season. The season is the end, right? The, 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 the end result is the NCAA championships. That's where you want to be at your best. Yeah. It's almost like we'll go to the conference and do what we have to do to, to get to that. So it's nice that that's kind of in flow with everything that I've understood about winning um, championships in the past, which is dangerous because means ASU is really focused on the end of the season. And wow, uh, that is scary. Um, let's go to a couple of questions here. So Peter says, how long do you plan at staying at ASU? 
Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I mean, that, that's that's well. In college, I think I've maximized my time. I think I've, I've, I've stretched. No the, more years. Yeah, stretched the cord as much as I can. So if the NCAA wants to give me more years, I'll, I'll gladly take it um, at this point. But yeah, I mean, I, I've, I definitely found my home here. I enjoy it. I think by the just influx and migration of um, America's best swimmers. Um, I mean, we kind of got like the metal factory down here with Chase, Kalish, Jay Litherlin, Reagan, Smith, Haley Flickinger, Ryan Held, Olivia Smaliga, uh, Leon, Hubie Koss, like the list goes on and on. So, I mean, the best in the world are seeing it out here. And so I don't see why I would be um, ignorant enough to, to leave. And I don't have any intentions of, of leaving ASU and definitely continuing on as long as I'm seeing an improvement in, in the sport of swimming. Yeah. I mean, especially with Paris coming up next year, there's no, there's no chance you're leaving anytime soon. Um, this is an interesting one because you had a lot of success again in the 200 free. Congratulations on that. So uh, people want to know your strategy, man. They want to get in your head a little bit here. Well, how do you, how do you swim so fast? And then how do you get under this uh, elusive 130? Yeah, you know, I think it's um, well, I haven't I haven't figured out that one quite yet. Um, I guess uh, so. I don't have the the secret sauce to that one, I guess. But um, you know, the the process that I followed and that I believe in, um, you know, whenever I've had my best swims in the two hundred, it's just been thinking less about this the outcome that that final time and just focusing on the steps that that get there each time. Like we talked about with even the Pac twelve conference title. You know, we, we didn't talk about that. We talked about the days leading up into it, the preparation and the overall goal of, you know, putting this whole body of work in to prepare ourselves at the last opportunity. And every time I have my best swim, whether it's the 130s from last year, NCAAs, um, at night at Pac-12s this year, all I can remember is focusing on my breathing and each stroke, just feeling the water, catching the water, and just trying to accelerate into each wall for me. And so... I spent a lot of time with Bob, three years training with him. So I know I have the capacity and the work uh, foundation even before that, by all means. Um, and then transitioning into pretty much a newer realm for me, the sprint world of things with Herbie, um, learning that I, I have the capacity to take it out. So I kind of get like a, a fun little blend of it for me that I know I can, I'm not going to die in my 200. So I can just kind of allow my body to try to push as hard as I can and then whatever's there at the end, um, I know it's going to be good. I know I'm not going to fade too hard. And so... So the I, strategy itself is is don't create the strategy on race day. The strategy is already created in practice yeah. where, you, where you've gone through the feeling of how you want that to feel, like the flow of it, the speed of it, the control of it. Like you've hit paces over and over again in practice. So for you, it's not like, oh, I've got to be 24 flat here or whatever it is. You know, it's like... It's just you being on a pace that you're comfortable with that you've hit over and over again. Yeah, just getting out of my mind and into my body, just letting right. my letting things the moment take over, honestly. Right. And I know I'm gonna I know I'm a leg dominant swimmer and just knowing that my legs are gonna be there the predominant engine on the second half of the race and kind of just letting flow and the front end speed take care of itself with the upper body on the front. The first hundred is what I on the only aspect that I really think about. Yeah. You're putting yourself into some pretty serious situations. You look across the pool, you know, and there's there's good swimmers either side of you, you know, and there's a lot on the line. I mean, you're you're going for back-to-back -back championships in that event. You're, you know, you're obviously trying to get your hand on the wall first. So there is there's other factors 
uh, that are happening at the same time that are in play, right? So as, as, a, as a competitor, as someone that's having success at that level, talk to the people that are trying to understand this. How do you, how do you um, deal with all those different factors? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely something I think uh, Herbie's helped me begin the process of mastery over. Uh, I don't, don't think I am a full master of it yet, but it really ultimately, like, no matter what it is, it's, it's just noise. Like, it's just outside noise and, like, external distractions. And something that, like, Herbie told me once that really, re like, resonated with me was you need to make sound amongst all the noise. And each individual person can make their own music and their own sound but all the noise kind of disrupts it sometimes. And so, you know, last year was my first year where I really like tapped into that. And I looked at the video and I didn't even recognize this, um, but like I, I raced Trenton Julian and I guess like he came to tap me up on the shoulder um, to like say good luck or whatever his intention was at, the, at that point. Mm. And I, I had no recollection of him touching my body, him on my shoulder saying anything. And I was just completely absorbed in the moment of myself. Mm. And then the same thing again with the 100 freestyle at Pac-12s um, and the 200 as well. Uh, all I thought about was just controlling what I can do each lap, focusing on my breath and just each piece of the puzzle rather than everything at once. I just kind of step up, breathe, look at my team, feel the energy from that. And uh, fortunately for that heat, I had half the heat was my practice group anyways. So I was most concerned about my teammates in that. And so that was that was kind of relieving in that sense. I was like, well, the biggest competitors I'm going to race against are my teammates. I've, I've done this every day of the year. So I'm, I'm yeah. ready for that one. Good. You're in the right space, man. You're in, you're, in, in you're, you're, in, you're in the place that you need to continually go back to. So you've found it. Um, now Now I'd highly recommend you continue to go back there because that's the right space. Um, Thank you. Let's have a look at this one. If ASU wants to win the national championship do you think you'll have to run through cal or texas i mean you got to run through both of them what yeah, are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> timmy what kind of question is this come on now come on yeah, now. I mean, I mean, it's obvious like they're gonna they're both gonna be at the meet <laughs> we'll see them again we didn't <laughs> both gone one two for the past uh 12 years or something yeah so i mean they'll both be there it's uh i mean even even swimmers that'll be at that'll be at ncaa ask me like what's the what's the strategy for like how do you think it'll change anything i was like that it doesn't change anything. Like you've been at the meet too. Like yeah. I've swam in it as well. There's just going to be more teams and more people going for each spot. So yeah. that's the only thing that changes. How many of you guys have qualified right now? Uh, we'll officially know tomorrow, I believe, uh, for real, for real. But yeah. I, I think as of right now, it's projected to be 14, which oh, is the nice. biggest team I've ever been a part of. Yeah. I think last year was yeah. 11 or 12. So, and our divers are at zones right now, which mm. they're also at Federal Way. So that was pretty cool mm. to see them there on the last night as well to celebrate with them. So hopefully we'll have even more, um, but 14 swimmers as of right now, I believe is projected. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. And, um, and, and we talked about this earlier. I'm going to get into some more questions, but we talked about this earlier. It's, it's nice. It's a nice feeling to have the best swimmer in the world on your team. It's a good feeling, man. It gives everybody confidence, doesn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you just you just sit around, Leon, and like I mean, I, I even journaled about it earlier in the week at at conference championships, and I mean, you just feel his aura, his energy, just mm -hmm. sitting around him, and he's not a he's not a guy for many words, but you just know you feel more competent, more confidence around him going into all your races, and uh, I think that just uplifts everyone on the team around him, especially the guys that 
get to train with him every day. I unfortunately only get to race with him occasionally. Um, but I think they, they have to separate us um, occasionally, uh, pretty often for, for fair reasons. But it's, uh, it's yeah, he's, he's just a, an insane animal, just a different beast. Does he swim the same lineup at NCAAs that he swam at Pac-12s? I don't know. I, I didn't know what his lineup would be. I, I think he was entered in two other events as well in Pac-12s. Mm -hmm. I think he was entered in the 500 as well in the – I think the 200 fly, um, yeah. but it's just kind of uh, to an elevated position of where I was at when I started at ASU. It's wherever wherever we really need him to score the most points and wherever we need him to help the team out the most. And luckily we've got great guys in the two fly now. Alex Colson and Andrew Gray had pr phenomenal performances at Pac-12s and throughout their career. Alex A final last year. And, um, you know, so we've got David Schlicht in the 200 breaststroke as well. So it's it's exciting. We're, we're finally getting some people that are can take responsibility for those events, those that, that depth in the team. And it doesn't have to just fall on one or two people. But it's um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know what like Leroy's uh, Leroy's lineup's going to be. But I mean, mm -hmm. he's, he's put times down and near dang near every event in the NCAA yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got him sure. back in the 200 freestyle. So I was, I was glad about that one after that, mm -hmm. that nice lead off he had, but maybe he'll swim the 200 freestyle too. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Now, what about you? Are you going to swim the same lineup? Do you do, do you do the, the, the IM at, at the, at the event or do you swim five relays? Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I've talked to Herbie and Bob about it a couple of times. I mean, it's been, it's been up in the discussion of just seeing how, how things shake out. I, I really think like, you know, Wednesday or Tuesday, uh, it could be another discussion, but I think for all intents and purposes, it was three events and four relays. Um, I'm a pretty big advocate of the five relays, uh, for, for myself. I like that a lot and just right. sticking to two events. Right. Um, but I think our team's accelerated to a level now where, you know, even more than I thought. So after after midseason, because I remember talking to Herbie about it, um, where you know we don't Leon and I don't have absolutely have to be on every relay for them to succeed at their highest level. Mm -hmm. And you know, we had a freshman anchor our medley relay um, night one, and so I got to just focus on the four by two hundred relay. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was that was a nice aspect too to to have that. So going forward with that. Uh, we'll just kind of have to identify and, and see how things shake out. But like, I mean, Leon wasn't on the four by 50. Our freshman Johnny Kulo was also on that one too. Um, so he lightened the load for Leon on that relay, lightened the load for me on the four medley. And he performed, performed better than me on both of them. So, I mean, it worked yeah. out there. Yeah. The, the 100 freezer stacked event at N NCAs. We were talking about this this morning on our live show and we kind of threw out some names. Um, you know, you, you got your, your top four players. You got Leando, you got um, uh, Brooks Curry, you got, uh, you know, uh, Bjorn Seliger, and then you've got um, Jordan Crooks. They were the four that we talked about, but we didn't even throw your name in the hat. How does that make you feel that you weren't even thrown into the hat there? I mean, everyone everyone can keep sleeping a little bit. People are got to wake up eventually, and uh, it's it's only a matter of time. So it's, uh, it's okay. I mean, we've got a lot of people to fill out that top eight for sure. Um, and uh, we'll check the receipts at the end of NCAA's. That's, uh, I mean, there's no, there's no, no line about the scoreboard, and uh, we'll see. So it's been a work in progress, and uh, and Sir Herb, I trust, and uh, we'll we'll see how it keeps evolving. You know, I've had What's my your best, best time in that one. 
Uh, 41-3, which was at NCAA. So my two of my three best times have come from NC, at NCAA. So I've been able to perform in that that race at the meet that matters most and um, had a nice little 41-6 flat start at finals on the 100 free on Saturday. So mm. that was good to, to get back down there and, and start to see some speed and to know there's a lot more rest for me to for me to get. So seems uh, like the guys in, in that event uh, of late uh, seem to be really attacking the underwaters on yeah. on on all turns. So uh, where, where do you lie in that in the 100 free in terms of your strategy in and out of the walls? Uh, how many kicks are you trying to get off each wall? Yeah, for me, it's about six to seven as of right now. That's about as in the last, you know, I think a year ago, it was raising it from two to three to four mm -hmm. to five. And then mm -hmm. this year it's been to six and seven. Oh. Um, and that's been, kind of been out of necessity of what you just said, you know, studying crooks, watching Leon every day, right. racing right. Leon, and just having a front row ticket to underwater world every every time we race. Mm -hmm. um, it's That's as much as I feel competent um, that I've improved in thus far. But right. really for me... I'm if I'm swimming the hundred, I've got to be the best the best back end swimmer in that race. And so mm -hmm. for me, it's about sticking to my underwater parts, like we just talked about, but um, going off and and just trying to get out as fast as I can. I mean, yeah. I mean, Bjorn's flipping eighteen eights in his hundred, and I think my fastest ever is like an eight nineteen nine. So it's just getting out fast enough because I know I'm going to bring it back. Um, I mean, I did the 200 and I came in doing the 500 in Bob's training. So I know I can bring it back in the, the second 50, but it's just making sure I'm out fast enough. So I'm, I'm in a good position to capitalize on my biggest strength. Right. This is an interesting question because I think I might have um, part of your answer here and tell me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine a lot of your goals for NCAAs revolve around two things, revolve around relays and, and the team itself. Uh, they probably don't, yeah, it's probably not much about you personally, even though you want to be the best you can. It's not like you don't have a personal focus, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I, I unfortunately can't like don't really have an answer to that one. But like you're right on the mark there. It's just capitalizing on whatever the team needs me to do mm -hmm. um, and, and, and focusing on my strengths, being on every relay or any relay or I mean, I've always said the day that I'm the worst 200 freestyle on the team will be a great day. I'm not going to let that happen, but. Hopefully that happens like at some point of, you know, there's there's five guys ahead of me going 128 or 129 from my like from ASU. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever the team requires me, I just want to put myself in the best possible position to score as many points and to elevate our relays higher than they were last year. And that's mm. really my only two goals that it's always been, but especially the last two mm. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's this one here? Uh, drills for starts, particularly how to use the arms. How's your start? Is it is it pretty solid? I think I think it's one of the. I personally think it's one of the best in the nation. Boom! There um, we go. Okay. All right. Talk yeah. us through it. What's happening here? What's going on with your start? What are you doing? Yeah. So I I work a lot on like the tensioning in in your feet, um, the front and the back of the wedge. Mm -hmm. um, if you notice, like a lot of people's ankles will drift and lose tension on it but maintaining stiffness on the ball of your foot on the back of the wedge, mm -hmm. I feel like is one of the most important things. And then from there, you know, working a lot with Brad Tandy and Ryan Held, um, they've really helped me, taught me not to just jump out horizontally, but out and a little bit up mm -hmm. as if you're going into a hula hoop. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get too, like, too caught up in the reaction of the, yeah. the start 
right. and how quick you get off, like 0.4, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a believer in it's how you enter into mm-hmm. the in, into the water and how right. you create that hole, that vortex of speed going mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And so making sure you're getting off at the best angle with your hips and alignment and getting parallel to the bottom of the pool is I think, I think what the most important aspect is. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. And, and from what you said with underwaters again, like, I mean, that's just revolutionizing everything. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, we almost need to add another underwater event in the NCAA lineup. I, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, for sure, because yeah. from that, it's just being a little bit patient once you get parallel mm-hmm. and then just starting to hit on your underwaters from there to 15. How many times a week are you getting off the blocks? I'd imagine as the season progresses, probably more and more each week. Uh, yeah, you know, Sir Herb, he definitely likes to make sure we're we're going fast pretty much every single day as much as possible. And going fast means getting up and going off the blocks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're suiting up. Uh, I mean, in the last, like, three months, we've suited up three to four times every week. Oh, wow. Um, and we're going off the blocks Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, uh, very intensely. Friday afternoon, very intensely. And then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Well, Monday and Tuesday, we're typically just doing drills and training and threshold stuff. And then Thursday will actually be like recovery and technique. Um, But the technique typically always starts with about six to eight dives of different stances, different positions with the wedge, without the wedge, backstroke starts um so just do you, do you guys video it and, and analyze the video yep yep i've actually been um kind of uh, in this conflict spot where my phone's too filled with uh data or too mm-hmm. filled with storage um and i had to go back and delete like film from when i started first started working with herbie because after that it was just like minutes and seconds adding up so much of how Dude, much they got this thing called the cloud now put it up there man stick it i up just there. i'm i'm not hip with the kids right? <laughs> i gotta i gotta get on there i got the external hard drive somewhere i've been deleting that old stuff man that's gold you'll look back 10 years from now and be like damn look at this old stuff on here that's awesome yeah a couple a couple of the videos were just a ba- bad swim so i just <laughs> didn't want to keep those anymore i was like ah so it's okay if no one ever sees this one again but yeah, yeah it's uh it's definitely a, a huge aspect that we have. I mean, Herbie, actually, it was kind of, it was, I had to laugh. One of the, Herbie's birthday came up and I got him like two gifts or something. And um, he's always like, whenever I see him taking video, he always has to like either take off his sweatshirt and like just have a shirt on and like, or roll up his sleeve like super high and then put his like hand in, kind of like not pay attention as much um, and just like focus on that moment for us. So I got him like a camera stick so he can just like dunk it, like keep watching us and walk with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been using that like a ton. So, yeah. I mean, it's just anything like even that like small little aspect. I was like, oh, like I think he would benefit from this. Yeah. Uh, just anything to help us too. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are interested in the inner workings of ASU right now. Obviously, things are clicking for you. So if you can just give us a kind of a, a snapshot into what's going on. Um, you did tell me earlier the men primarily are swimming on their own these days. So the men, the men have kind of split off a little bit, or the women, either way. But the men are kind of doing their own thing. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Our, our men's program, um, you know, we have some overlap with times uh, in the morning sessions every morning. Um, but yeah, the men train. Bob has his own group of like the IMers. Uh, Herbie has his own group with the sprinters. Logan Herco with distance, and then. Rachel Stroud Mills is, is a sole, and Derek Schmidt are solely responsible for pretty much the entire women's team, except for, um, you know, Lindsay Looney spends a lot of time with, and Charlie Brown 
um, spends a lot of time with Bob um, in their group because of the butterfly prowess that Lindsay has and uh, Charlie just being an absolute monster with IM. Wow. Okay. Uh, interesting. And then you were telling me about uh, the, the distance coach that I didn't know much about, but uh, I saw the success that they had this weekend. I was like, wow, the distance programs really come on. Yeah. Yeah. Logan Herka. So he's kind of like our undercover 100 mm. uh, mad scientist of sorts. He's, he's been at ASU. Um, we've almost been in tangent of, of like how long we've both been out here. He was out here, I think one or two, two or three years before I was, he's been out here about eight years now. And, uh, you know, he, he was actually, he came on a recruiting trip here to be a swimmer. Um, and then kind of life took him in a different path and he was still wanted to be out here and be a part of the swimming program. He saw like the vision with coach Bowman being a part of the program and, um, really wanted to just kind of see what would happen. And so he came on as a volunteer assistant and then kind of pseudo team manager, then flipped into more of a formal team manager role and, then uh, finally got his opportunity after staying here for so long and, and kind of proving his his value, his worth, putting in his time. And uh, two years ago became, um, I think this is his third year as being a full-time assistant coach. And mm. he's taken the reins on the distance program. And the dude is just a student of the sport. Mm. Um, like Herbie and him have like shifted my paradigm of what I thought, like, because I thought I studied a lot of swimming and like knew a lot about, you know, human physiology, just out, even outside of swimming. Um, and they just like take it to another level. I mean, mm. Logan's whole desk is covered with books, papers, workouts, just different ideas. And he's constantly like, the books are always open on his desk. Like he's constantly learning and, and taking it in. So, I mean, even, even on a trip to finals one night, I think he was talking about Charles Poliquin, which is like one of the best exercise physiologists in history. Um, and said he like spent like a whole summer just dedicated to like understanding his methodology and his periodization. And I was just mm. like, this guy, wow. Logan's, Logan's the man, Logan's the man. Destro swim towers, gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code Brett, B-R-E-T-T -T, at checkout. Destromachines.com. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to vasatrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa. Yeah. And it's really cool. Look, I've said this a couple of times publicly. It's cool that Bob has really uh, allowed them to be who they are and and, and grow and, and into the positions that they're in, especially what he's doing with Herbie, with the sprint side. You know, Bob's really found a place where he's like, okay, I can really hone in on this and you're going to go over there and do your thing. And there's a lot of trust, it seems, in the program now. Yeah, big trust, big trust from uh, the Bowmaster. Um, it's it's pretty neat, unique to see because, you know, it, like you can definitely see the guidance that Logan got, especially spending more time with Bob than Herbie has total right, right. at this point. And, and just to see also the dynamic of what Herbie's taught Bob as well. Um, I mean, I've, I remember very distinctly like where we are on the pool deck when Bob was like, yeah, you know, Herbie's the tech, technique guy and technical guy of, breaking things down better than I even can. Um, like he just takes it to like the nth degree. But for Bob to say that, I was like, wow, like 
Mm. Herbie, like Herbie must like have a really high sense of mastery. And this was like three or three and a half years ago, mm. like pretty early on when he started. So like Bob could must have already like sniffed that out pretty, pretty immediately. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it's very accurate. Like they're both out their strengths and Logan as well too. And, um, it's just that I think they have to operate well. I think that's how all great leaders, like Bob does a great job of delegating and letting them take mastery. Cause if he's trying to micromanage everything, it's going to interfere with stuff and, you know, mm. aligning with each, with each other and, and making sure that they're complementing one another not overtaking is very important. Like today, even, um, Bob called me in for a meeting with Herbie and it was a collective meeting, not just like with Bob and I. And so then I had to go fill in Herbie. It was, no, it was like Herbie, Bob and I all in a discussion on equal terms. Mm, that's awesome. I love it. Uh, Cabes, what up? What's going on? Good to see you out there. What's this one? Uh, Kieran's out, Kibble's out, Sates is gone. Slam dunk. I don't know if there's any, any slam dunks, but um, you know, you've got a good shot. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely got a good shot. I don't think any any event in the NCAA at this point is a slam dunk. So, no. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, no, I don't no. think that exists in swimming, NCAA swimming right now. No, no, it's too competitive. To, there's no slam dunks. Um, not not even look as good as, as as Leon is. There's no there's not a slam dunk for him either. No, I mean he got beat last year in the four AM. I mean, I was uh, I was in the heat of the two AM this year, and. Uh, I mean, I, I was I was blown away at how much Hugo had improved since last year in that event. Like, yeah. I, I didn't know until later because I was busy watching their feet during the heat of mm -hmm. going, them going a 137 and 138 at Pac-12s at least. And, um, I mean, Hugo went a 138. Like, that was a dang good race for him. And, I mean, Leon matched his time from NCAAs already. That's, mm. that's, that's going to be something to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then if anybody thinks those Texas boys are just going to roll over, that they've got another thing coming too. Oh, so no. there's definitely yeah. competition out there. So um, what does this say? I didn't read this, so let's pull it up. How many yards you guys sprint mid-distance doing a day uh, or pre-taper? So like in, in the heavy season, what kind of yards are you doing per workout, you think? Yeah, I know. So mine is, is pretty different. There's only like one or two guys, Johnny Kulo and, and Patrick Salmon, that are doing pretty much my full plan um, because of my background and my work capacity. I think I've talked to Herbie about it a couple of times. It's like can be four to five, uh, 5K at its peak. Right. Um, but ever since I started working with Herbie, I don't really count the yards. Um, yeah. It's kind of cliche, just like, don't count the yards, make the yards count. But mm -hmm. he has all these like floats and body line drills and like 35, di 35 yard dive efforts. And, mm. and so like, I mean, I, I was like two weeks in and I was like, I'm just getting aggravated trying to add all this up. So I'm just going to yeah. stop and yeah, yeah. just focus on being present. So I mm -hmm. unfortunately don't have as much of an idea on that. Mm -hmm. I just know we drop volume as we go along. We work up to a certain intensity and then at the midpoint of our season, we just worry about maintaining that and getting faster each time, raising right. raising the level that we're at. Right. Um, and then we just start peeling back everything as we come down in January, February, race more, elevate the level that we're racing at even more. That's why we finished with Stanford and Cal. And I mean, U of A was, I mean, our interest squad meet again, but just elevating ourselves even more even if we didn't have like a, a strong strong as strong of a competitor as cal and stanford 
Yeah, even with that, there's there's some criticism out there of the way that you guys approach the season in terms of um, putting suits on more regularly than than you know people would have done in the past. Because there's this old school mentality of like, oh, you only put suits on at the end of the year, and you guys have kind of flipped that on its head. And now you're seeing dual meets that are being performed in in in, um, in season with these uh, suits on. So how, how do you feel about it? I mean, I love it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, one, it helps the psyche of the the athlete. It shows you where your training's actually at. And to me, until we until we get everyone like suiting up for every dual meet, there's they're not gonna there's not gonna sign any worth to the dual meets. Like the dual meets aren't gonna be worth anything. And so, for us in our process, every dual meet is like a checkpoint and an analysis point of our our what we're doing is it working? What do we need to adjust? What do we need to change? And then so when we come out of those dual meets, we have, we're like, okay, this is working. These drills are working. This preparation, oh, your breaststroke was off on the IM. We need to dial this up. Your back end was off. We need to fix that. Mm. Whereas if you're just going into every meet, just completely run down and like, mm. I don't, it's just another meet, whatever. Mm. It's like, well, was it the rest? Are you doing the right training? Are you eating right? Did you sleep right? Like all those other things. And Bob and Herbie and Logan have really, really do a great job of like, this meet matters. The next meet matters. Like everything is a checkpoint for us to tell where we are in our process. And it's just elevating you to another level because the more you can prepare at what you're going to be at the highest level is going to elevate your ultimate form even, even more. So, and if you're just waiting for that last moment to shave, rest, add a suit, it's so many variables that you don't even really don't know that too much about. Whereas if you're suiting up, you're like, okay, I know I'm going to suit up at a championship. I know I'm going to shave. And then the last piece is just taper after I've done the work. So if you have the answer of, I know what it's like to suit up and race in that, I know what it's like to shave, then all you have to do is taper and let, let the coaches worry about that. So it right. just simplifies the process to me. It makes swimming way more enjoyable, way more fun. I mean, For sure. everyone likes – I'm. If you don't like going fast and swimming, then you're definitely in the wrong sport. And going fast involves putting a suit on. Like- I definitely feel like the mentality is shifting. Look, I, I was I was critical of you guys earlier in the season when you when you raced Cal, I think. And look, I do a lot of talking these days. I don't do much coaching, so like I got to kind of fill in the time with my with my <laughs> mouth, you know. So like some of that is just uh, hot air. But I was critical in the sense that I didn't think it was fair. In in fairs, a, a very kind of you know operative word you, you, can, you can take it however you want but like fairness um in terms of the fact that if you put a suit on and the entire team puts a suit on this other team decides not to it's almost a given that that team is going to dominate the other team and so my only criticism was that to have a dual meet where you're up against one other team and you're racing and and one other one other team has such an advantage over the other that there's no chance that the other team can win that was the criticism that I had in terms of like, it was just two different playing fields. You know what I mean? So it was almost like, well, they're just going to roll over them and, and destroy this team because they really have no chance. You know what I'm saying with that? Yeah. I mean, I definitely hear the sentiment. I also think the sentiment is, you know, Stanford, Cal, Arizona, they all knew that we were suiting up. And so at that point, it's, it's the exercise of, are we going to lower our standard of excellence to what they want to maintain are we going to help them raise their excellence, their standard of excellence to meet us? And if they do, cool. Stanford did. U of A did. Cal didn't. We saw the results of Pac-12s. 
and that took care of itself. Like, I was pretty disappointed that Cowden uh, suit up. I thought it would have been more interesting. You know, at Pac-12s, I have Jack, Alexi, and Bjorn coming up to me, like, after the 100 freestyle and being like, hey, like, let's let's have some fun on this 4 by one I'm like, yeah, like, let's go for it. Like, mm-hmm. let's have the intensity. Let's post the number one and number two times in the country. Like, I don't know why we couldn't have done that in January, too. Like, yeah, it's not the championships aren't done in, in January, but, I mean – they had they had suits that they had brought with them at the at our dual meet. They just chose not to put them on, and that's that's their process. Our process is different, and so the yeah. idea at that point is we don't want to embarrass Cal and destroy Cal. We just want to swim as fast as we possibly can. So the focus is not even on Cal; it's just on your team and saying we're going to suit up and we're going to rip one here, and and Cal's just going to be kind of the the, the byproduct of us destroying this whole <laughs> swim meet kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to that, you know, what you t- said about how you focus on such an intense heat. It's just our process is what matters to us. Our process is what's going to make us win. And that's if we if you try to strategize in swimming, it's kind of useless. It's not like you're intercepting passes or switching man to man defense or zone defense like other sports. It's I mean, it's what just doing what we do best. Yeah, a couple of questions here I want to throw in. Drew, Drew, Drew's actually on any question. He's he's in our app, and he's answering questions on um, uh, what his expertise is, and that is uh, the marijuana industry, which is super cool. So go in there and ask Drew questions. Um, but also, he's a coach, and he's fantastic at what he does. So, Drew, go back in to any questions. Start answering some questions for me, by the way, because I put this up for you. But let's go in here and say uh, what kind of stuff are you guys doing for dryland, weight room training in the off-season and then the preseason. So, I don't know. We don't really have an off-season anymore because off-season would be considered summertime maybe, I guess, if you're looking at it from the NCAA point of view. So, um, in terms of, like, coming off the summer and then getting ready for the NCAA season, early season stuff, what are you doing then? Yeah, it's just a general accumulation phase. So we're just gradually imp- improving general strength principles, um, increasing volume in a very like general sense. You know, most of the teams doing the same thing um, within their group, um, accumulating volume just week from week one to week two to week three, um, just following a normal like strength periodization process of you know accumulation, hypertrophy, strength, power, endurance, power. Um, as we approach like the peak. And so it just kind of replays itself, recycles itself. And ideally after the whole process is done each time, you're able to start at a higher level each time um, and just accumulating that that stress, that demand on the body each season. Um, I mean, it's ultimately why everyone gets sore after after taper typically um, with starting into the next season. But yeah, we, we do. I do three strength, full body strength sessions a week. Uh, I used to do like a, another metabolic conditioning um, session for a fourth uh, strength session in the week, but we don't do any dry lands other than in the weight room uh, three three times a week. And if anyone does more, it's on a need to need basis at ASU yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, this one here, in terms of just where you were last year and where you are this year, it's it's fairly comparable in terms of time. But do you feel like you're ahead of where you were last year at this point? Yeah, I think I'm definitely ahead of where I was. Um, you know, the times might not indicate that, like, objectively. Hmm. Uh, but just, like, my training and the objective nature of how I've been training in practices has exponentially improved. 
and just the training environment too. I mean, it's it's nine day. I thought it was intense last year, but it's just nine day to compared to what it was last year. I mean, every day. I mean, if you're not paying attention, you're going to get got and you're going to get tagged at our practices. And I mean, it's from freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors, and then grandpa's super seniors like myself, like mm-hmm. every day, every rep, you got to be on or you're, you're done for. And mm-hmm. uh, everyone makes sure of that. And everyone, everyone loves to be that guy to, to ruin your day. So it's, mm-hmm. it's an intense aspect and it's kind of comical for me because I've never really had that every single day. And every single session before and uh, now that i do it just makes me more excited for every practice and to go and race and compete and to see yeah. like these freshmen and sophomores just raising my my bar and level and mm-hmm. knowing where they're starting at like it's gonna be dangerous to see where patrick salmon and johnny coolo end up their senior years mm-hmm. like 129s that'll be like old news those will, those will be those will be dual meet times by the time they're seniors yeah Glenn Mills in the comments section. Glenn, Glenn. Love my bud. We love you, man. Thanks for tuning in. We're, we're, we appreciate it. We feel special now. The best of the best. Yeah, right yeah. there. Um, I got one for you here. So down here underneath your name, uh, it says Biney Wellness Building. You're, you, you know, they're, they're a great supporter of our podcast. Um, Erica is, is the leader of that organization. I know that you're associated with it. So, like, I talk about getting on there and doing this uh, – you know, wellness program and, and the DNA testing and things like that, but you've actually gone in and done it and it's had an effect on you and your performance. So in terms of what they're doing for you and how it's affected you, t- tell us a bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful that I, that I started the relationship with Erica and I've started working with her too. And she's such a, such a bright light in my life and huge positive influence as well. And just when I started working with her, like within, I think 10 days, like pretty much what it, the analysis, the DNA analysis told us is that my body doesn't metabolize certain vitamins and toxins in my, um, that I include in my diet a lot. Mm. And it wasn't too many to begin with, but basically when I include any or too many, it accumulates, like my body isn't good enough to digest it or process, metabolize it anyways. Mm. So then it just gets like stuck and stuck and stuck. And when I started removing that, those aspects, removing these supplements, these foods, these packaged foods that had these things like the 10th ingredient in or like the last Mm. ingredient that I was like, didn't even see it in the bunches. Mm. Um, But really paying attention to that, it's made such an impact. Like within 10 days, I think of getting my report and coming off of that, you know, I actually had this aspect where in the mornings it would be like, okay, like I'm pretty tired, rolling out of bed, get to practice. Not that I didn't want to go to practice. It was just like, took so much more to get the engine turning. Mm-hmm. And I vividly remember within 10 days, like 10 days, maybe 14, but on the 10th day, I noticed a distinct difference of when I was waking up, I was up, ready to go, get my food, get down to practice, mm-hmm. no like second clouded thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, wow, this is so impactful. Mm-hmm. And going into every midseason meet um, and every championship meet, um, I would typically lose like anywhere from five to seven pounds mm. um, over the course of the meet, just from so many races and how intense it is. And when I started working with Erica and like making sure I'm getting in the right nutrients at the right part of the days, I'm maintaining my weight. I'm recovering better at meets. I'm, I feel like I swim better as the meet goes on and I'm sleeping better than I ever have at any, any travel meet for sure, which was a huge issue for me in college of 
just being awake too too late at night just because I couldn't fall asleep. Yeah. Um, from giving yeah. my body the wrong things that I couldn't process, and now honestly, I'm I'm surprised how sharp you are now. Monday afternoon, like I was I was wiped for a whole week after a meet like that. You're sharp as hell right now, so that's oh, good. Oh yeah, I'm 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 I mean, again, the main target still still ahead of us. So mm -hmm. gotta be mm -hmm. took the breath yesterday, rested, recovered, yeah. nourished my body properly, and I mean, like I said, with the sleep, like we nourished our bodies properly yesterday, today, and got. I got 11 and a half hours of sleep. And so that's, yeah. that's what, what it does. Here's a good one. Kyle house. You know, this guy, Oh, the big pro. <laughs> uh, either of you gents have some good taper rest stories for us. I heard tales at Auburn swimmers of the past, barely leaving bed before the week. Yeah. We had some, we had some people that were fanatical. When I first came into Auburn, it was like this, uh, this whole, um, you know, they, they just hand you a book of, of things to do and not to do, you know, and taper had its own section in the book where it was like, you don't walk upstairs, you, you know, you, you get rides everywhere. And this was like pre Uber. So I'd imagine people probably just taking Ubers these days, but, um, yeah, you didn't walk upstairs. You took elevators. You didn't, you didn't leave the bed unless you absolutely needed to, but Uber eats is probably one of those, those cool <laughs> things that we would have hammered at that point in time. So yeah, I think they just took it so far that it was just like complete rest. You know, the week of you didn't do anything. Now I found later in life that didn't that didn't really suit me that well. I tried to stay in a normal routine pretty much. But um, what about you guys? What's your what's your attitude over the next few weeks? Yeah, I mean, uh, part of the well, Bob and Herbie actually part of the talk they had today with me. They pulled me in and they just said, Grant, the next two weeks you need to do no additional exercise no additional movements <laughs> that I, Herbie, or Jake Garrity, our strength coach, prescribe to you. Mm. And they're like, anything else out? Just go home mm. and lay on your couch and watch. And Bob Bob knows I like it, but my favorite anime is Naruto. And he's like, go watch your favorite anime, Naruto. He's like, mm -hmm. just rewatch it, whatever you have to do. Don't do anything else. And so mm. I kind of, I mean, I, I have like, uh, I call it the big cat lifestyle, just like a lion in the uh, like mm -hmm. in the jungle mm -hmm. and just prowling. But up until like it needs to attack, it's just vegging out, just taking mm -hmm. in the sun, yeah. playing around, roaming, mm -hmm. very very low energy demand. But when it when it pounces, when it roars, it's powerful. It it knows what it's gonna do. So do you change your intake of food like either up or down or keep it the same in terms of um, what you're ingesting over the next few weeks? Yeah, definitely from the dietitians I've worked with, Don Weatherwax, Erica, um, Melanie Clark, Emily Orvos at ASU, um, ASU dietitians. You know, it's it's not the same as winter training. Um, we're obviously training a lot more frequently and for longer bouts of time. So definitely like dialing that in and adjusting it accordingly. Like I don't need to be like just devouring 6,000 calories a day or as much food as possible. Um, but it's more, more specific, more targeted, um, and, and more direct into what we're doing. So, uh, mm -hmm. before I've, I've added some taper weight, added some pounds on, on before during taper. Um, and that's kind of made me like, uh, fluctuate in like energy and, and mood as well too. But, yeah, I uh, I remember one time during taper two, I was uh, like so upset with like a broken set we did. I just started like pacing up and down the pool for like 15 minutes because mm -hmm. um, someone beat me that I just didn't want to. And uh, it's just like the fluctuations of taper, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you definitely have those those 
mood swings and also those, those feeling swings like come someday you just walk in and you're you, you start swimming you're just heavy as hell and it's like what oh, is yeah. going on and then next day you're light and you're you're bouncing off the walls and you're feeling incredible and it's like you definitely have those fluctuations hey yeah definitely i i uh kyle and i actually call them the taper blues so yeah. we just when you just get a little bit down i remember uh the week before packs we had a good Monday session and then like Tuesday until Friday afternoon, I just felt like 300 pounds, yeah, yeah. super low energy, super lethargic. Mm -hmm. And then we did a broken 200 IM and I went like a 121 add up. So yeah. I was like, yeah. all right, I think I'm good. Good to go. <laughs> yeah, good to go. So mm. wait, waiting to actualize that 121 add up. But I was like, so well, you guys will do that because we, we did that at Auburn too. So, like, I, I think probably probably a week out, you know, we would do a suited broken swim type thing. And, and is that is that a mandatory thing where everybody has to do it or is there a buy in, buy out? They can choose or not to. What's the attitude at ASU? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big trust trusting aspect with ASU. I mean, we'll follow the coach's plan. Um, after that session, I actually went into Herbie's office. And I was like, I on Saturday, I was like, I felt so much better today, like mood, everything, feeling that I was like, can I do one on Monday? Because that would be two days before Wednesday night for our four by two hundred relay. And he's like, uh, no, like we're not going to do that. Like that's that's not part of your process. Like we're good. And I was like, okay, like, I trust you. I just wanted to ask. And then the next day he comes up to me. He's like, I should have explained more to you. Today, we're going to take it easy. Tomorrow, a little bit less volume, but more intensity. Mm. And then the morning of the four by two, I actually want you to suit up and do a 75 from a swing. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, interesting. And he's like, but if we get to like Wednesday and you're like, I just want to do something else, just let me know. So yeah. we got to Wednesday and I just did a 50 instead and then did like a couple dives and that was good. But it wasn't like Grant has to do a 75 at 10 a.m. at Federal Way in the morning before. Right. Um, it was a little bit of flexibility and Herbie heard me. I heard Herbie and uh, met, in, met in a middle ground that I think was ultimately successful for last week. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, take us into the team meeting. Uh, you don't have to give us um, exact word for word, but just the general feeling on Saturday when the meet is close on Saturday morning, you guys wake up, you know, it, it's it's get yourself over the line. You know, you've done enough to win it, but now you got to go out there and finish the job. So what was the general feeling and, and mood with Bob and the coaches? And, you know, how did they handle that that meeting Saturday morning? Yeah, you know, our, our uh, really Saturday morning, the, we, we typically have a bus schedule every session, who's leaving on what, what events are leaving at what times. And for Saturday morning, um, it just said team meeting nine. Hmm. And that was, that was it. That was our one focus when we woke up, get nutrition in and then go. Mm -hmm. And it was, we've had our foot on the gas for five sessions and we're not going to let up any, any at all on session six or seven because we know what Cal's capable of, we know what other teams are capable of, and we also want to see our greatest, the greatest version of ourselves. So if we let up at all before the end of this meet, before the last person touches on that relay, then we're just not preparing as much as we can. And, and we knew we had to strike first and strike fast and then keep that pressure on the whole meet um, because that's, I think, was one of the most influential things. I mean, to come out and win the first two relays that night, I think was a huge huge wake-up call that everyone had to react to, but we threw the first punches and we were ready to do that on night one. And then we just 
stayed, kept the pressure going, kept the foot on the gas pedal. I mean, the whole time I've, anytime we have a men's team meeting, I just tell the guys we're a firing squad this year. Like you line up your shot and you take it and it's only going to take one bullet because that's what we prepared to do. You don't get, mm. I, I say you don't get second chances. I kind of got a second chance on Saturday, but um, fate happens in mysterious ways and for a specific reason. And uh, I made sure not to waste that second opportunity when I got it. Um, and we had plenty of other guys like Jack Dolan, Johnny Kulo, Patrick Salmon, who all stepped up the first time in the preliminary heats to make sure that that first shot wasn't wasted. And we had four guys in the A final of 100 freestyle that was no slower than a 42 1. Wow, that's really cool. Um, you know, F Phelps wins eight gold medals in in Beijing and um, goes down as the greatest performance in Olympic history. But a big part of that was Bob's presence and, and Bob's guidance and, and, and Bob's ability to maintain a kind of a, a certain energy level and, and keep composure and keep calm. And that, that helped Michael, obviously. Is that what Bob does with you guys too? Does he, does he keep fairly level throughout the meet when, when you're in that situation? Yeah, I mean, Bob definitely has his, his, his fluctuations at times, like, but it's, it always comes back to it. Always, whatever it goes in the race or it never gets, it never gets like low is, mm. is what I've always noticed. It's always, it always rebounds to this just insanely high level of excellence mm. that he always maintains of us because he believes that all of us can have it. And I know like my first couple of times, like experiencing it, I was kind of like taken aback, um, but it, as I've spent more years with them and spent a lot of more time with them, it's just the realization that he wants us to actualize our greatest selves. And so what do you mean by that? So he's, he's basically saying you're better than that. Is that what he's saying? Like you can be, if you like believe in yourself, like after a race, it'll be like, like I remember Julian Hill came in um, after his, his uh, 500 in the morning. And Bob was like, dude, you just let that guy on the last hundred, just like come over and roll through you. He's mm -hmm. like, one, you can race at the end. You can be tougher. You can you can win. Like it was just these discipline aspects: double breathing on a turn, mm -hmm. double breathing on the last hundred. And he's like, just stay disciplined, go race, mm -hmm. and be as great as you are in practice, and like mm -hmm. you'll win. Mm -hmm. And he goes at night, gets I think they got third, and he improved his time. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that like kind of constant like rebound and elevation to the level of excellence. Like every meeting we have, all right, we had a good session. We did well. Now we need to perform at night. All right. We did what we needed to do last night. Now we have to perform again in prelims to get the points at night. Last session, like Saturday. All right. We've done our, We've done what we needed to do this point. But now everyone here is a day four swimmer. And that's the first requirement we have on this team is, are you going to be a day four swimmer? Or are you going to roll over before the meet's over? And yeah. just continually laying that foundation of that excellence of not building it up, but just maintaining it. It's such a high level. Um, yeah, you don't 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 let up until the meet's over. Rest at the end, not the middle. Yeah, listen, we're going for an hour now. This is this is live. We're we're live here. I appreciate you doing this, man. Spending time Absolutely. with us and 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 the crowd out here. Um, Joseph had a question that I think you answered probably earlier on. So if uh, Joseph, if you go back and listen to the early stuff that we did, you know, probably like 45, 50 minutes ago, we probably talked a lot a lot about this. You know, the, the in terms of where the program is now and where he thought it would be. So. Go check that out. Um, what was ultimately your favorite race from Pac-12? Ooh. Um, my favorite race uh, was also my proudest moment at ASU was the um, <clears throat> the podium stack uh, for the 200 freestyle 
uh, individual. Uh, that was pretty cool. I, uh, I didn't actually, someone asked me, I didn't even actually look at the scoreboard at the end because um, I was kind of like just in my own zone. But I was like, all right, I knew I won. And then all I had to do was look to my right because I knew Patrick Salmon and Julian Hill were on my right when I finished. Mm. And I just saw them touch the wall. And I was like, that's one, two, three. That's it. Like oh. game set match for the night. Mm. And um, to stand oh. on the podium and like see that, that picture afterwards mm. was like really one of the coolest moments because every year – I, I don't know if I've podiumed every year in the 200 freestyle. Um, I may have most of my years, maybe five, like, I think, I think almost all of them, but every year it's like been pretty much just me and to have like a team that strong to have four guys in the A final, including Andrew Gray, who moved up and got six that night um, on his third 200 of the day after winning a swim off Um and really like breaking through and, and kind of per persevering past Cal as well. Um, you know, that was, that was just meant a lot to me. That was, that was one of my favorite races. I unfortunately haven't gotten to watch a lot of Leon swims cause I'm either warming down or immediately after him preparing. So I haven't seen the 200 breaststroke except for the last 50. That was pretty cool to see the time. Mm. Um, I was in his heat for the two IM. Uh, I was watching his medley, but I'd say the 200 freestyle was my favorite race of the meet just because that was also my proudest moment as a ASU Sun Devil thus far. That's cool, man. Uh, is this, this an inside one here? What's your favorite dinosaur? Favorite dinosaur? I feel like I'm missing a joke here, but um, <laughs> maybe just a T-Rex. I don't know. They're pretty vicious, kind of like the lion, like a Lion King. I don't know. Yeah. Here's a question, um, and I know it's probably not a focus right now, but, like, you know, obviously trials in June, it's a pretty quick turnaround from the – the end of March to the trial. So like, do you, do you give yourself a break? Um, probably not this, this year, you know, I mean, I, I've got a lot to, lot to prove uh, outside the NCAA season. You know, we, after the NCAA season, we go into the medal season, we call it down here. So that's when the Olympic games are world championships mm. are the summer season, international season. And um, so I've definitely got a lot of, a lot of work to do. I've got a lot of points to prove to myself and to a lot of other people. And um, so I, I probably won't. I'll probably just, you know, Herbie runs such an efficient program that it allows me to go back into things pretty smoothly. And I might take, you know, two to three days, but that's part of our recovery process. So I'll come back in on Wednesday or Thursday maybe and uh, get right to it because I know I can't afford to take any, any much time off, but other than like kind of bigger gaps of time, but it definitely wouldn't be more than a week. Um, I, I love this sport. And I love what I do at ASU and who I'm around. So I don't really feel like I need too much of a reprieve that often. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people proud of you, man. You're doing, you're doing really good stuff for, for yourself, your family, for your teams that you've swum on, for the team that you're on now. You're, you're a great leader, man. You're a good person for swimming. We need you. And um, you just speak so well. You're so well put together. You train really hard. You're dedicated to the sport. You're passionate. You got your own podcast where you, talk about swimming so like look um you're just a good person man I'm, I'm glad i know you glad to call you a friend and uh just someone from afar that looks at you and i just want you to know that so a lot of people like uh you know, you know uh, every everybody out there kind of feels the same way about you i think man appreciate it appreciate the high praise from you brett and uh and glenn i, I was i was trying to break uh glenn's records in high school at, at saint x so oh yeah oh dean dean yeah it's my boy um 
Yeah, go win the national championship. Um, l- listen, it's interesting because there hasn't really been a third team that's really been in the conversation. It's been Stan- it's been um, Cal and, and Texas for many many years now, and it's, and it's and and there's been other good teams, but they haven't really been in the conversation for the championship. You guys are really you guys are in this conversation. Not only are you in it, but there's probably a lot of people putting putting good money on you guys to to win this thing. But um, yeah, it's incredible that you've you've come this far, and now all of a sudden you guys are, are are deep in this, and it's like you're a real contender, right? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely feel like we 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 are. I felt like we mm. were last year, and I mean this year even more so. You know, I I don't I don't really understand how teams like a Florida and NC State or I guess even IU some years haven't gotten it done mm. yet. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I've been recruiting trips there. I know people there, and I know they're great teams by all means, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Florida with their relays this year. I just don't understand, like, how they haven't gotten it done yet, like how they haven't taken the same strides we have. I mean, I feel like we've been the most improved. We are the most improved team in the last five years by a wide sure. margin. Oh, yeah. For I sure. mean, you can For just sure. check the facts on that. Yeah, yeah. And – I just don't know why every team isn't actualizing that. I I think we've improved. I think ASU is like pretty solely responsible for improving the sport of swimming in the NCAA, honestly, just because we were such a poor performing team and we've improved so drastically that everyone else was like, oh shit. And they, everyone's had to step up. No one wants to lose to the, no one wants to lose to the little, like the little brother um, or like the, the contender that just comes up. Everyone wants to stay at the top. Texas wants to stay at the top. So does Cal. No one wants that. And I think it's ASU's really elevated the entire sport of swimming, not just the NCAA. If Bjorn, if if Bjorn Seliger wanted to come and train with you guys for the season, but he wanted to represent Cal, how would you feel about that? Um, I mean, I love Bjorn. He's like one of my favorite uh, competitors, actually. Um, I don't know if how- he trained with you. If he trained with you all season long, he, he said, "I want to go train with Herbie. I want to train with Grant, but I'm going to compete for Cal." How would you feel about that? Um, I'd feel a little like confused. I feel like he'd be confused, and he just want to like reap the benefits of like swimming at something that he, I, mean, I guess if he's from joining us, he perceives as a better opportunity than Cal. Um, so I don't think Bob and Herbie would allow that. Um, unless they like represented us in some so way. So how do you feel about Bob coaching a Frenchman in America to go and win the Olympics next year in Paris? How do you feel about that? Wow, this was a that was an that was a setup question. Like that that's was a big turn there. <laughs> big turn. Um, I mean, power to him. Like Leon. Well, the interesting thing that not many people know is Leon reached out to Bob, um, and Bob was more than obliged to to talk with Leon about coming being an ASU Sun Devil, and I was too. So. I mean, hey, it just uh, just elevates all of us uh, to a higher level. It's going to be a cool opportunity for Leon. And um, I you're know you're a proud American, though. Like you're a proud American, I'm sure. You don't want this Frenchman to win absolutely. next year, do you? No, I mean he can't win every event, and we're going to make sure of that. I'm going to make sure of that four by two, four by yeah, one, hundred freestyle, freestyle. Yeah. We're going to be making making sure. Like he didn't have the fastest time this last week in the two hundred freestyle, like. That's that. That's for damn sure. So I mean, he had a great time, but he didn't get all of the, all of the events. So the only people that beat him in any of the events were from ASU. 
So All right, let's not let's not cause any conflict with this team just yet. Okay? Let's, <laughs> let's stick together for the next few weeks. All right. Leon will just be pounding me in practices until NCAA. So he's fine with that. He's fine with that. Uh, stirred up a hornet's nest there. Jeez, Brett, come on, man. Um, yeah, we had to make it interesting at the end there. No more questions. I think that's it, man. So, you know, hour and ten minutes. Listen, I really appreciate your time. You uh, you could have been anywhere doing anything right now. So thank you for spending it with us. You know. Oh, my pleasure. I love coming on anytime, whether it's a, a recap, whether it's just a live convo, or um, I think we got on at World Championship Trials last year, too. So that was that was fun. Yeah, well, listen, good luck the next two weeks. A um, lot, of, lot of stuff to, to sharpen and um, clean up and, and rest up, but uh, you're in, you, you've got the experience. You're, you're, you guys have put yourself in a great position, man. So it's going to be a really interesting championship this year. With uh, with certainly three teams that can that can win it, maybe a couple of others that can contend and take some take some races from you. But in terms of the competitive side of maybe hoisting this trophy, there's three real legitimate shots here of teams that can do it. So good luck with everything. All right. Yeah, thank you. It's been uh, it's been awesome to just you know feel the support from everyone and and ASU. You know from alumni Emerson Ward, Rob Richardson, Simon Percy, all these guys that have long long since founded the foundation uh before i got here and now we're just able to keep building off of it yeah good stuff man this is a, a fun one i really enjoyed this all right good luck mate take care eh? thank you cheers cheers guys thanks for joining appreciate it i would like to tell a story of how swim angel fish improved my skills and a major aspect of my life First of all, when, when I was a small child, when I was like four years old, I had a fear of going in the water because I was afraid of getting my going, water going in my eyes and also the fear of drowning. No And when I got to the age of 11, I wanted to start, I wanted to start developing swimming skills because I noticed that a lot of my friends and peers have, are good at swimming. Well, let's show them how we learn to, I can now let go the whole way. Yeah. So how about you're going to come around and see from the whole way for your first time ever with not me touching you. Can I sit next to you? Yeah, of course. Oh, so Excuse me. Sit. Oh. 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 Are you okay or do you want me to touch you? Touch me. Last time, blow I swam a whole yeah. without anyone Bro, 
all in conclusion, I think I would like to thank Swim Angelfish for doing a great job of helping me develop confidence, bravery, and skill.